welcoming a new team member. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 348, I think it is, of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and I am joined this week by Andres. Hello and welcome. And by English Dan. Hello and welcome. And we are in English Dan's living room. Uh, we're going to be reviewing the opening weekend of the Superliga. Um, the season is uh, is still very young, to slightly adjust an Argentine phrase, the season is still in nappies, as is said newest team member, uh, because Dan's got an announcement to make, which he's already made on Twitter. But. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, last week, you might, well, you might have been wondering why I hadn't been on the podcast for a couple of weeks. You probably haven't, but just in case you were, it was because I was preparing to, to be a dad, something that happened last Wednesday, uh, so eight days ago from, from today, um, when little Nawel came into the world. Uh, He's currently in my bedroom, getting changed and, and about to have his dinner. And yeah, we're, we're very happy indeed. Congratulations, Dan. Thank you very much. And, and well done to your partner, who you know, did most of the hard work, I'm led to believe. Um, yeah, all of the hard work, really. Indeed. Um, Dan, Dan's partner's efforts were sponsored by Fanatis. No, they weren't, but the podcast <laughs> is. Um, it's sponsored by Fanatis. You can watch the Superliga as well as the Copa Argentina. Um, I've seen them tweeting about being potentially in discussion to show a few second division matches this mm-hmm. season as well. Uh, so if you are, for example, a supporter of Belgrano, then you might get lucky there. Um, if you're in the United States, of course, then you can also watch the Copa Libertadores and the Copa Sudamericana via their live tie-ins with Gold TV and BN Sports, as well as a whole bunch of other competitions from South America and Europe. Handapod listeners are able to get 20% off their first three months with Fanatis, as well as a seven-day free trial. All you have to do is go to fntz.co slash hop and use the discount code HOPFZ when you sign up. Again, that's fntz.co slash HOP and the discount code is HOPFZ. Please go along and help us out. How much does it cost with that 20% off? It's $6.4? I must admit, I'm not sure, but I think so. Because $8, I it's, think, is the fuel. Yeah, they, they have a couple of... Uh, last time I looked at the pricing, they, they had a couple of different pricing levels, and it, it can vary. But I'm pretty sure it's $6.40 yes, uh, cents. A bargain, uh, really. Yeah, it is. We, we yeah. have to say. And, and as I've said before, I used it around... Uh, not quite. Oh, no, more or less this time last year, actually, when I was in uh, England um, for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they gave me an account so that I could test it out while I was there. And um, it actually and, works. And it is a, it, it, it's a really good service, I feel. Um, anyway, the opening weekend's results in the Superliga were as follows. Racing and Union drew nil-nil in the Cilindro on Saturday. Uh, Colón nil, Patronato one. 
San Lorenzo 3, Godoy Cruz 2, Lanús 1, Gimnasia 1, and Argentinos Juniors 1, River 1. Uh, on Sunday morning, Estudiantes beat Aldo CB 1-0. And then in the afternoon, Newell's Old Boys got a 2-0 home win over Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero, one of the two new boys in the Superliga this season. Um, Tacheres got a 1-0 home win over Vélez Sarsfield. Uh, Independiente got a 1-0 away win over Defensa y Justicia in the Clásico Becacese-ish. So that, that's a joke I'm trying to make happen, but it doesn't work. The Clásico um, Becacese-ese and uh, Clásico Olam. Yes, in, indeed. Uh, and Boca Juniors and Huracan drew 0-0 in the Bombonera, or rather Boca Juniors reserves and Huracan drew 0-0 in the Bombonera. And then on Monday evening... Um, I'm actually just seeing these oh no I'm, I've, I was aware of one of these two results but not the other one because uh, they happened while I was out Arsenal de Sarandi got a 1-0 home win over Banfield and Atletico Tucumán also scored one goal at home but they conceded two against Rosario Central um, it, I thought that the bits of it that I managed to catch were relatively low-key as starts to the season go of the games that I watched San Lorenzo Godoy Cruz was Far and away the most entertaining. And I'm not only saying that because it was the five-goal thriller. Yeah, sort of surprising as well, I suppose, given that both of the teams were playing that in the middle of uh, their main priorities, which would have been their respective Copa Libertadores ties, of which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm. But yeah, in general terms, I'd agree with you. It was kind of a strange time to kick off the season, you know, with the Copa matches starting... Right before, meaning that for at least five or six teams or, or so, they really didn't care that much what happened at the weekend. Yeah, it, it, was, mean, it was very um, devoid of fanfare, I think, would be the best way to, to describe it. I mean, I know personally I, I had really more things on my mind, but it really did just kind of <laughs> creep up on me. We, we, we should probably mention the Libertadores as well. Of course, we mentioned all of the first leg results last week. Uh, I know that... The, the Boca game was obviously played after we recorded last week. Um, but if you carried on listening to the end, the very end of the podcast, then you would have heard me give you the full-time result there. They won 1-0 uh, away to Atletico Paranaense and all of the other matches finished in draws, at least the, the other matches involving Argentine sides. Um, as we speak now, all of the Argentine sides have completed their last 16 um, matches. Godoy Cruz and San Lorenzo have gone out. Uh, San Lorenzo exited on penalties against Cerro Porteño, Godoy Cruz got thrashed by Palmeiras, um, 4-0 for a 6-2 aggregate uh, loss in a, well, we'll talk about it in more detail a little bit, but a, a match that was fairly even until a quite ridiculous penalty decision. Um, River and Boca both went through. River put, um, oh God, I'm forgetting who they were playing, Cruzeiro out on penalties um, after a 0-0 draw. Um, Boca completed a fairly routine um, 2-0 win at home against Atletico Paranaense to go through 3-0 on aggregate. Um, as a result, as you say, Dan, both San Lorenzo and Godoy Cruz played, really, I'm looking at the 11s now, and they're almost entirely reserve um, 11s. Uh, Boca played with the reserve side as well. River, bizarrely, slightly bizarrely anyway, put out a more or less... I think maybe there were three or four changes from the first 11, but, but most of it was, I got the impression that Gashardo was maybe trying to give them the chance to play themselves into a bit of form. Because, now I'm getting to the point of why I wanted to bring the Libertadores in right away, as you kind of hinted, Dan, it's kind of a weird time to bring it back. The, the, the three Argentine sides who are playing Brazilian teams, for sure, 
And in fact, I'm now thinking Cerro Porteño just played their third league match, I think, last weekend. So they're coming up to the fourth. So all four of the Argentine sides involved in the Libertadores were playing last 16 matches against teams who've already been playing competitive football for the previous few weeks. Yeah, completely. Like, especially yeah. in the first legs, I thought yeah. that really showed. That's why I wouldn't understand. I, 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 I see that uh, when you play four days, uh, two matches in four days' time, you must perhaps take care of those players you find key as key players and not make them uh, be risky of uh, an injury or, or too tired but it was the first match for exactly, most yeah. of the other teams so they're lacking rhythm I mean you know we, we, we said last week that River obviously the week before had played in the Copa Argentina but I mean a Copa yeah. Argentina game against Gimnasia de Mendoza even if they get taken to penalties which they did mm. um, is not you know the, the red hot fire of competitive action in the Super No, League. it's not. And apart, it's, apart from that, it's faintly ridiculous because not only is it kind of the first game of um, uh, of the season after a prolonged break, it's also the first game after uh, transfer windows in which most of the teams, especially those uh, still active or still active up till this week in the Copa, were, uh, were very much involved. Um, hmm. And these are guys who've Kind of spent heavily, invested, brought in all new faces, and specifically specifically for the copper, and it could have been absolutely um, futile uh, less than a week into the season. I yep. mean, just to take one example, which everyone's been talking about, of course, uh, Daniele De Rossi. Uh, he's a guy who has come to Boca specifically to win the Copa Libertadores. He says it, Boca say it. He's only got a contract until the end of the year. Um, he couldn't be registered for this first round. So he could have come to Boca and been eliminated from the Libertadores even before he was registered as a player. And that, in fact, happened with uh, San Lorenzo, the uh, Romero twins, Oscar mm. and Nankin. Uh, they were signed to make them competitive in the Libertadores and admittedly, due to a complete collapse from San Lorenzo, which was unforgivable, they're there, they're going to play what? How many went? How many Super League games are we going to have this year? 11? 12? Something like that. Yeah, you're talking about kind of million dollar investments for 12 competitive games. It's, yeah. it's kind of crazy and it's, it's what we talk about all the time. I mean, it's not just a problem with Argentina. You've got 10 different uh, federation members in Comunidad in South America, each of whom has their own football calendar. Brazil played through the entire... Copa America and play through the, the entirety of June and July. This year, I think they broke for the Copa America, but that was because it was being held in Brazil. Possibly, but, possibly. But, but yeah, generally, yeah. Because they have um, a bunch of, man, much more games than any other country, I think. Yeah, and, and then in, other, in most of the other countries, in Paraguay, Uruguay, the season runs from February to December, say, so there's not this artificial kind of break in the winter, which doesn't really make sense... Uh, in the southern hemisphere, so they go into it a little bit more, uh, a little bit more polished, I think, because they know it's not the end of the season; it's only kind of a mid-season break. Um, and yeah, I've, I've said it many a time in this podcast, but it's something that Argentina has to look at. I mean, uh, February to, um, to December season just it makes sense, and it wouldn't wholly avoid, but it at least helps somewhat avert these kind of. Uh, these kind of situations. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, 
creating other problems, of course, nothing, nothing's perfect. Yeah, and they have the same uh, calendar as the Copa Libertadores. That's why they mm. can... They can it's, a it's a South American calendar. It's a South American calendar based on the seasons of yes. the Southern Hemisphere and how football is played. Football is played from the autumn to the, to the start of summer. That's what it's always been. That just makes sense in the whole world to have a season like that. Um, and it was and it was like that for, for years and years in Argentina too. I mean, I don't know. No one listens to me and, and here we are. <laughs> Indeed. Um, anyway, dragging it back to the Superliga for now. We will, of course, get to the Libertadores later on. Um, one thing I will say about San Lorenzo is that they could scarcely be any less entertaining than they were last season under Jorge Almiron. Um, against Godoy Cruz, they were much, much, much more entertaining. Yes, they as were. they were against Cerro Porteño, at least in the first half, um, before they mm. collapsed. Uh, and score they, three they goals, be better. which I don't know if it's... Yeah. Uh, with Almiron in the whole... His whole period scored four or five goals, perhaps. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. It's not good. I must admit, for the San Lorenzo game, I watched, I think, up to the hour um, when they were still 2-1 down. And then I fell asleep on the sofa, uh, woke up about two hours later, and um, my girlfriend told me that they won 3-2. I don't, so I'm not entirely sure how they did it. Yeah, they, they got a very lucky penalty in stoppage time. Um, almost the last kick of the game which I can't remember exactly what happened now but I can remember um, thinking when it was given that it shouldn't have been Right. Uh, yes. but apart from that um, it, it was a, it was an entertaining game in which both sides did their best the first goal scored by I think it was Nahuel Barrios in the, at the very beginning of the match mm. uh, you could tell that it would, it would be different with Pizzi uh, than with Almiron even when the, the coaches sometimes they don't define or they don't uh, change so that much of a team but in this case I think it will be like that yeah, even so when, when they got out of Copa Libertadores San Lorenzo had 22 shots against Godoy Cruz uh, of which 10 were on target it is difficult to imagine Jorge Almiron's San Lorenzo managing that um, so well done San Lorenzo for improving on last season not that it's difficult but you've already done it so well done um then perhaps, sorry, but uh, you mentioned the derby of Pecasese because of the Defensa Justicia yes. against Independiente and Pecasese being... Just oh, the, speaking of lucky goals, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> that was but so bad. Just the very first match of his uh, uh, period for Independiente having to face Defensa Justicia and apparently didn't face it very well because after the match... He suffered from stomach aches or, or something like chest pains. Chest, or chest, yes. Uh, and he had to go on a, a hospital. And oh, that's not funny. Stomach pain, stomach ache is funny. Chest pains aren't funny. No, no. Clear. no he had to be taken to hospital. It was given yeah. the all clear. Uh, it's all those late goals his teams keep scoring. I mean, it's just it's too much to, to handle. This was another Becker says special, right? In well, the, no, thirty last. second minute. So it, thirty second. I wouldn't say it was that late. 32nd of the second half or the first, the first half um, but uh, it, it was fairly comfortable really I think for Independiente overall defensively DC look like they might struggle a little bit now he's gone Mariano yeah I mean they've lost is, is most Harry of their so-so yeah. manager thing, right <laughs> yeah where's that, where's that photo I posted on Twitter yeah. would be a good time uh, no I've, I think we all said uh, towards the end of last season and even when they were challenging for the title this coming season was it's always going to be a lot more difficult for them um, 
The coach left, they lost uh, Matias Rojas, the, the Paraguayan playmaker, he went to Racing. Lisandro Martinez, of course, went to Ajax. Um, their other player they had in the middle, Domingo Blanco, went somewhere, yes. right? Independiente. They are. Independiente, absolutely. Miranda went somewhere, possibly. Uh, yes. I want to say Mexico. Okay. Mexico. Yes, Mexico. Mexico is vague enough to. I know it's Pumas or. or... Mm. Yeah, so you're talking about the heart of their team, really, and the the core of it. Um, and as far as I've seen, I mean, their answer this week has been to bring in Neri Cardoso from Racing. It's it's kind of like if that's. The answer, you're probably asking the wrong question. Because uh, he's a player who can turn it on, but usually doesn't. Um, he's not He's not going to win you uh, 10 or 15 games a season. Uh, so, yeah, defensively, this year they're going to have um, an uphill struggle this, this year, I think it's fair to say. I think they get four players from the last season. <laughs> It's uh, Unsign, the goalkeeper, Rafael Delgado, the left-back, mm. Alexis Castro, the offensive midfielder, and Ovita Fernandez. The, the, strike, the goal scorer, but uh, yes, it's very, very uh, few players. For An injustice, we could say, that they couldn't defend their squad. It, yes, yes, indeed. Um, speaking of teams who are going to struggle to live up to last season's achievements, Racing... Mm. Only nil nil at home to Union on the opening day, Dan. I'm, I'm being slightly cruel there. I think Racing should be in and around the title talk, really. They'll be uh, up there and. But what happened? Because I, yeah. I didn't see this game. I'm assuming that you managed to. I did watch it, yes. for most of it. Yes, I managed to, yes. Um, I don't know if you watched. No, I'm sure you wouldn't have. Uh, the game in uh, Copa Argentina against Boca Unidos. No, I didn't. Where Racing went out on penalties the we, previous Sunday. We did forget to mention it, I think, last week we on the podcast. No, well, they went out on we penalties. Yes, yeah, right, we they went out on penalties to Boca Unidos. We don't really need to say any more, more about that. Um, those two games they've had so far this, this season um, were almost identical. You had Racing as a team always in control of the ball, always pushing forward, always looking to make something happen. Uh, both Boca Unidos and Union. I'm not making... You know, comparing them directly, just that they went out with the uh, the objective of getting a draw from from each game. Set up very set up very strongly, especially Union, who we all know are very tricky to beat when uh, when everything's going right. They're organised. They stick eight men behind the ball. Uh, they invite other teams to to come at them. Racing came at them and. And they didn't do it very well. They had chances um, in the first half, and especially right at the end, Dario Svitanich came off of the bench and had a glaring one-on-one that he he fired straight at, um, at the keeper's body. Um, and yeah, they should have won, but it's another of these games. It's happened a few times with Racing. It's, like it's a team who like to uh, pull men forward work on both flanks, work the angles, create the overlap, get through. Um, but when that doesn't work, when they've got, when they come up against their defence, which is so uh, deep set and, and so static, it's, they don't kind of have this plan B. And I think actually uh, Darren asked a question on it later, so mm. I might as well get this out, out of the way now. Uh, they're probably, 
lacking the kind of player who can just grab the ball in the middle of the field and, and make things happen, like split the def- split the defensive lines or beat a couple of players uh, dribbling or, or just do something a little bit unexpected because Racing are, are lined up well. They don't look like conceding goals. They're going to get a lot of points this season, but uh, they're going to need um, that game changer, I think. Um, possibly it could be Rojas, who I just mentioned, who came from Defensive Justicia. He wasn't great against Dunyan. He doesn't really look comfortable still in, in the team, but you got to give him some time. Uh, Lisandro uh, is going to have a tough job, obviously, to, to reproduce just how good he was last year, but, but he's still Lisandro. Um, otherwise... Yeah, someone's going to have to come through and and at least when these games do just bog down and and uh, and fall into deadlock, kind of give them that, that extra edge. Mm. Yeah. Um, one player who has been very good for his new club, uh, picking up what you just said about Matias Rojas and, and deciding to make a segue out of it, is mm. Alexis McAllister, uh, who was... Definitely man of the match in the first leg of Bocas Libertadores, uh, round of 16, and one of the contenders for man of the match in the second leg on Wednesday night as well. Uh, he was rested for their nil-nil draw at home to Huracan. That is how important he had clearly become <laughs> straight away, because even though they fielded a largely second-string side, Ramon Avila, Maros Sarate, um, another new signing, Eduardo Salvio, Emmanuel Mas were all on the bench. McAllister was watching sitting alongside Daniele De Rossi in, in one of the executive boxes. Um, he has immediately become Boca's best player, potentially. <laughs> um, against Huracan, it, it wasn't great, but again, it was a largely second string, or an almost entirely second string 11. Esteban Andrade in goal, uh, Paolo Goltz at centre-back, Frank Fabra at left back who I think might be coming back from an injury of some yes. sort possibly um, they're the only sort of three of, of, of the starting 11 um, who would normally be in, in what you'd now consider a full strength Boca Juniors starting 11 um, you know hard though it is for some people to admit that Carlos Tevez shouldn't be there uh, he's clearly second choice to Maros Arate these days um, what, what did we make of Boca in the league, it's difficult to really make anything of them on the basis of that performance, right? Because they just they, they weren't taking the game that seriously. No, I must say, I watched most, if not all, of that game, but it must have been very forgettable because I've struggling to remember anything that stood out. Hmm. Uh, well, they kind of thought played all right, um, of course, against a weakened Boca side, but they were better at least than. Then under El Turco Mohamed. Yeah, it was an interesting formation. They, they played with three, uh, the wonderfully named Balikian Briasco, um, who I don't think that is the first name he actually goes by, but that's what he's showing up as on my life score app that I'm using at the moment. Uh, Juan Garro and Andres Chavez, who sort of just played all three of them strung along the front, not really like yeah. two <laughs> wingers and a centre forward, but almost like three centre forwards. Um, up top it was an interesting shape and, and they pressed relatively high um, and, and the real I think test in terms of Urakan and finding out what they're like now is going to be 
seeing what comes next. So like this coming weekend, for instance, they're at home to Colón mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow evening, uh, Friday evening, uh, followed by away to Patronato and then at home to Argentinos. Those look like the kind of fixtures that are going to tell us more about this Huracan side, really. Very an, possibly, uh, you know, yeah. an opening weekend fixture in the Bombonera, even if it is against a second string Boca side. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're going to probably reserve judgment for now on Huracan. I, I will say, Anthony Silva yeah. <laughs> in goal had a, a yes. good game. I, yes. I, I can't remember a lot of the fine detail of the game, but I do remember him making a couple of, of really good saves. Both goalkeepers. Also, oh, I brought out a couple yes. as well, didn't he? Yeah. I think it was one half for, for each. The uh, first half was more for Huracan, uh, and where Andrade had uh, great saves, and uh, the, in the other half, in the second half, it was Anthony Silva, the one who. Uh, per, uh, Prevented the Boca from from scoring, mm. um, and uh, was some some things which were surprising about uh, this Boca. Even when they had to, or Alfaro decided to to uh, put a, a team a more a more uh, reserved team, um, with perhaps a totally totally or almost totally new defense. Uh, was Weigand play playing that much, or was only in the first and second half of the Copeletores because? He was, of course, he's a kid. Where Boca, we know that they don't have a lot of space for the kids. Uh, then goals and Junior Alonso. Junior, yes, Junior Alonso is uh, the Paraguayan, right? Yeah. Vigant, uh, uh, to answer your question, yes. or however the hell it's pronounced. Nobody Vigant, in Argentina yeah. seems yes. to be able to uh, to agree on how how to pronounce it. I suspect he doesn't know himself. Yes, Vigant. It's a German name. <laughs> um, but yes, the the person with the confusing surname. Uh, was rested entirely for that match as well. He was also then quite lucky not to be sent off about five minutes in against um, against Atletico Pernay. He, he said a time, some time ago when he was in an interview, I think, that he plays like that. He plays, goes to the limit and, well, they, that, that may yeah, come. I was thinking about reining it in a bit. <laughs> uh, and, and Alexis McAllister, who I think he had, uh, when he was playing for Argentina, Argentina Juniors, these like, spicy performances which... You get you see whoa what a, a great player and then he was like more a normal normally uh, situations but uh, it's surprising anyway. I, I think of Boca Alexis is going to thrive on just being around better players. You know we've we've talked a lot. It feels like we've mentioned it over the getting on for nine years that the pod has existed, it feels like we've never been entirely convinced with Boca on a tactical level, in spite of the fact that they've won numerous league championships, been in at least one Libertadores final and got to the latter stage of a bunch of other times and everything during that time. Two, I believe. Two Libertadores I think it's two, yeah. Yes. I say at least one to hedge my bets a bit. Um, you know, they've, they've clearly, and, and you know, one Copa's Argentina and stuff as well, they've clearly been one of the, the strongest sides in Argentina over our time um, recording this podcast, and yet we've said on numerous occasions regardless of who the manager is that we're not entirely convinced with them tactically but they obviously have stronger players than Argentinos Juniors do um, and so and they have the strongest build, uh, wallet uh, yeah um, but I, I think Alexis is going to thrive on that because I think sometimes for Argentinos it was a case of you know he, he, it wasn't necessarily him who wasn't doing things right when he wasn't having a good game it was that he was not quite on the same wavelength as, as some of his teammates all the time um, no, he looks as happy as a pig in shit at the moment in uh, Boca, yeah, taken really well. He's at lo- online for the whole year, right? Yes, I, yes. I think from Brighton, Brighton. loaned him to Boca for the season, yeah, because yeah. he signed for Brighton in January and he's been at yeah. Argentinos on loan for the sake for the first half of this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting if he carries on this progression as he's 
you know, obviously massively premature prediction time. Uh, he's the kind of player who would be interesting to see have a have a go for Argentina. This kind of like very mobile attacking midfielder, and well, also given Scott, that he's a Scotland. If, if, if he's eligible oh, Scott, mm, well, oh, very he's, actually, much. he's actually not eligible I'm going to throw Indeed. a bucket of water on the hopes of any of our Scottish listeners now yes I think it's his like great great grandparents yeah, who, yeah. who are the Scottish immigrants yeah. uh, they just happen to be on his dad's 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 side hence the surname sticking Indeed. <laughs> yes. no it'd certainly be worth uh, worth a try if he, can, if he continues his form because he has looked very good indeed. Mm. Brighton can say when they watch him play like this, for example, come come right now. Uh, I cut the call the, the loan. I don't want you to to stay there, and I want you now here. Mm-hmm. They can't say that. Um, they might be able to. I don't know. No. I don't know whether there was a fee involved. I think that it's, it's just give them some time to sort work permit stuff yeah. out as much as anything. Yeah. So they probably won't. Do we have time to talk about his incredible superstition? Uh, I'm going to let you explain that one, Dan, because I, uh, as uh, was pointed out on Twitter, I completely mistranslated one of the key words. <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll give you the credit for this one. Uh, so this was actually product of a of a discovery of a former work colleague of mine, Marcos Vasquez, who used to run Goals Argentina Edition, um, and he saw that in his two Argent two Boca appearances today. Three? There were three team photos in the thread that he put on Twitter. I'm, I'm trying to work out what the other possibly one was one a friendly was, in the United States or something like that. Yeah, maybe. But at least the two uh, the two official ones. Uh, he he is lined up next to Ramon Juanchope Avila, who wears the number 17 shirt for Boca. In Argentine lottery parlance, whereas wherein every single number has its own meaning and its and its own uh, yeah, its own meaning. Uh, number 17 is La Discracia, which does not mean disgrace. I'm, I'm interrupt. It is, in fact, two. He, he, he put three photos up on the, on the Twitter thread, and I'm just checking it now. Yeah. Uh, and the first two of those photos are actually the same picture. I'm not sure why he put it twice. Oh, but yeah. Carry on now, yes. sorry. So number 17 is La Discracia. La Discracia, a quick uh, Spanish lesson for our, for our listeners. Um, La Discracia is a what is known as a false friend. It does not mean... No, it doesn't mean disgrace. I repeat, as it I said on does Twitter. not mean uh, disgrace. It mm, translates better to misfortune. So, uh, what Alexis McAllister did, he lined up with Avila in these two games, and at the moment of the team photo, he put his hand over Avila's shorts, uh, covering the number 17. Uh, which there might be another interpretation. I, I don't know. I don't like to pry into footballers' personal lives, but the most logical one would seem to be that he's a very superstitious guy and is dead set on not uh, having the number 17 come out in team photos. What I particularly liked about Marcos's research here was that he then went and looked at some photos of Argentinos um, mm. team photos from last season to see whether this was just oppose that Alexis McAllister yeah. struck in team photos and it isn't and I also like this person who responded to this tweet by zooming in on Mauro Sarate's face in the second picture <laughs> who's clearly looking down and thinking what's he doing <laughs> standing behind them <laughs> um, so yeah he's fitting in well seems to be working for him at least but... indeed um, moving on we've mentioned San Lorenzo we've mentioned Independiente we've mentioned Racing we've mentioned Boca so it's time to mention 
Reba, mm. um, Boca put perhaps three players from their first 11 in against Huracan. Reba, I think I can see Lopez, Rolheiser. That's or maybe Suarez, three players who don't belong in the first 11 necessarily against Argentinos and the rest was full strength. And they needed a late equaliser from substitute Jorge Carrascal, who ended up starting um, mm. against Cruzeiro yes. on Tuesday evening in the Libertadores. Um, Which was surprising for all, all of us, but not for, for Gallardo, of course. No. Um, but yes, uh, they, I, think, I think we were, couldn't uh, get rid of the, or get off the, 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 the starving pressure by Argentinos in his stadium. Uh, it's like that. They... they Press, uh, press a lot the, the, the arrivals and uh, in this case with Santiago Silva who's in his first match was the best uh, the, the best man of the match uh, throwing the ball to him and he stood the ball great in a great way uh, and of course passing it to his teammates like Auche like uh, uh, other midfielders that were coming to the box and Wait, and Santiago de Silva is in yes, Argentinos now? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. and he, this was his debut, uh, and he was great. <laughs> the defenders couldn't... Uh, he always is on his debut, I, I right? think it was approximately yes. his 53rd match against River, and it was the first one in which he hasn't scored. I'm making that number up, it's not actually 53, yeah. but it really sure. it's sure. it feels like that. At least 20 clubs, But I think that in this case he had this special, uh, of course, uh, order, I think, or, or by, the, by the coach, by the Bobe, that... He was the, the one to uh, pivot, or I know how to say it, yes, the, to, to stand the ball and hold the ball and, and pass it to the, to the teammates. Uh, and River couldn't uh, find the, the, his best uh, form in, in the match. Uh, of course, the only, the only thing to rescue from that is the, the late goal by Carrascal, who was yes, surprising as he showed some uh, little things which confirmed uh, uh, after uh, 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 on Tuesday against Cruzeiro uh, that it wasn't uh, uh, something casual uh, because I assume that Gashal worked a lot with him, talking to him yeah. and incredibly after that he played more as a team uh, member because what we suspected was that he was more a player, individual player to make that like nutmegs and, and, and things for the for the uh, perhaps the spectators and no in this case he uh, well scoring the equalizer which was of course valuable and against Cruzeiro being a total surprise for us of course yeah um, but yes he, about the uh, Argentina juniors match Liber was quite dull no not may, no being being able to to create something to to disturb Argentinos who uh, of course. I think they might think they lost two points. Yeah, indeed. Argentinos look really good. It's, it's worth remembering that towards the second half of last season, particularly in the Copa Argentina, uh, Argentinos really improved massively. Uh, basically, after Diego Dabove took charge, which was what, in January? Yes. Like during the summer break. So, yeah? um, so I, I think that they're going to have a, a strong season anyway. Obviously, they're not going to be challenging for the title because the that's question not is, what they do. Um, but. Um, they're an interesting side, and in terms of what you're saying, like you know, they, they, they were they were pressing relatively high up the pitch. Um, I think Santiago Silva is a really interesting signing for that. Not only is he very dangerous in front of goal, but he is precisely the kind of aggressive, borderline nut job striker that you would want. Well, Silva and Auch is a classic big man, little man up front. Yeah, and exactly. as 
follow it, you know, people who grew up in with English football, how can you not love that? No, and, and quest- yeah. Damian Batashini in behind him as well. Indeed. It's, uh, it's an interesting... Yeah. The question formation. I'd like to ask, uh, with River this season, four games, four draws, only two goals scored. Mm. Are they running out of steam? Is it just a question of a slow start? Or, do, you know, we talked about, just talked about Racing kind of not finding the way through, struggling to get goals. Is something similar happening to River? Do changes need to be made? Or is it just a case of holding on until uh, Quintero comes back and, and hoping for the best? I, I think that Quintero is going to make a difference. Um, I think that Lucas Prato doesn't look entirely... So in between Prato and Matias Suarez and Borres, you haven't exactly got reliable goal scorers. I mean, Prato's never been a, a 20 goal a season hmm. uh, scorer. Suarez, neither. Uh, Borre is so, so. Uh, what's the calm way of saying it? Inconsistent? Yeah. 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 Let's go for inconsistent. Borre is. Could be. It could be. Um, could be trouble if that doesn't. I, I think they're clearly relying a lot on on goals coming in midfield as chipping in with goals as well. Um, it, it's the kind of it, it's it's not a dissimilar attack to you know the one that they had last year when they did all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that especially when teams sit back and are happy to try and contain them and, and yeah. hit them on the counter, River sometimes do struggle to break them down particularly when Quintero's not involved and I think that that could be one reason that they tend to do better in the really big matches yeah when, very possibly when the opposition are going toe to toe with them mm-hmm. um, they, they, they seem to find it a lot easier a lot, a lot easier but well, they, they've got they plenty, their game yeah, up they've got plenty of big matches coming up soon they've got Racing right, yeah. in Avicenia in the third week of course that'll be a few weeks from now because there's elections coming up and Cerro Porteño in the quarterfinals, the yes. which might come quite close together because the quarterfinals are the week of the twentieth, I think. It so will. If Racing is in the third round, then that's going to be. R- Racing will be the weekend of the seventeenth and eighteenth. Yeah. So that's going to be right before the quarterfinal first leg. So mm. River are going to be fielding a reserve side against Racing. Excellent. Good to hear. <laughs> You'll be happy to know that. Wonderful. Just don't play Armani, please. But uh, as I told the uh, English Dan before we started recording. Uh, well, River, uh, of course, it's not something new. I, I, I tell you to, not to say nice things about River just because I'm a River supporter, but mm. what looked yeah. like the other day against Crusader was that uh, Crusader respected too much River because of the things that River have been doing as a specialized away, yeah. uh, away condition in the past and not because they, are, they were afraid of this match especially. It, yeah, it has to be said that Crusader were perfect. I was about to say that that, that, that time was particularly odd because as I said earlier, the, all four of Argentina of the Argentine sides of opponents in this round of 60 in the Libertadores uh, were coming into it much more match sharp than the Argentine clubs. You know, Atletico Paranaense just... Oh, rubbish, basically. So much less <laughs> combative than they were yeah. against Boca in the group stage of, the, of this yeah. year's Libertadores as well. Uh, Cerro Porteño obviously you know, put San Lorenzo out. Palmeiras needed a slightly fortunate decision. We'll talk about all of this in more detail after the break. And they got very lucky in the first leg as well. Yeah, they got lucky in the first Gina leg. Dan and having El Morro miss a penalty. But ultimately, but ultimately made their class play, whereas Cruzeiro in both matches just looked so limited. Yeah, yes. It was really, especially in the first leg, it was obvious that River 
simply weren't match sharp. Mm-hmm. And Cruzeiro just didn't try to take advantage at all. It I was... remember they did that in one game in last season's Libertadores, was it? They played Cruzeiro? Oh. Yeah. Yes. They not played Boca in the quarters, possibly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2-0. Two, two uh, Boca won 2-0 in the first leg and then 1-1 one, one yeah. in the Mineral. They just showed nothing, really. Like even yeah. I remember they gave him a did they, did they get, slight did they, run they, for the money at the yes. end, but... Kind of very little. Uh, yes. In the first leg was the, the, the injuring. Yeah, very little initiative. Yeah, kind of. We, we will talk about the Libertadores more after the break, but really quickly before the break. Uh, any other matches that we haven't mentioned that you two caught and would like to talk about? I can't remember any of the other Any matches. very early impressions about the two new boys in the league, Central Cordoba and Arsenal? I didn't catch either of their matches. So well, Central Cordoba has in the, in the squad uh, Russo Rodriguez, who well, was the, <laughs> the, the goalkeeper in the starting line, line-up and well, no, was not brilliant. No, Central Cordoba are going to wait until November, December, February, where they can start scheduling their home matches at 4pm, get some 60-degree heat. Keep going and just wear the other teams out. Maybe provoke a few uh, deaths through heat exhaustion. Yeah. Uh, that's surprise. going to be where they, they come into their own, I think. Arsenal surprise beating, beating Manfield. Indeed, yeah, we've had a question uh, pertaining to that match, in fact, um, for a little bit later on. Yeah, let's say for a little bit later um, I think it's one thing that I did note from Newell's match uh, was that Francisco Fidrishevsky was the starting striker ahead of Luis Leal and Lucas Albertengo. I'm going to be interested to see whether that was to do with fitness or what, or whether he's actually going to be the starting striker this season. Can uh, you remind me, Sam, of how the promedios uh, are lined up so early in the season? I know Newell's are down. You made me, you reminded me, because I know Newell's are fairly close to the basement. As it stands now, with both of them, I think, having won... Obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Central, yeah. of course, beat Atletico Tucumán. Um, Newell's and Central are occupying joint 21st place, which means that if the season finished with them on this standing, they would have to play off against each other to decide oh, who goes down and oh, who stays up. Oh, please let that happen. Um, if you fought Boca River in, uh, <laughs> in the Libertadores final, was big. they will have to play that match on the moon. Yes. Um, Even Messia and Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero, who, of course, have played one match and lost it. Um, are the other two teams who are currently in the relegation zone and Patronato, Lanús, Colón, Banfield are the sides just within three points oh and Argentinos yeah. those are the sides within three points of relegation big teams trading water this season it's going to be very interesting indeed there are yeah uh, we're going to take a half time break now this has been a very long first half of the podcast 42 minutes so flying by for to. Um, so I apologise for that we're going to take a half time break and when we come back we will talk about the Libertadores and we will answer some <laughs> listeners questions Libertadores round of 16 let's take you through uh, the whole of it so far uh, San Lorenzo versus Cerro Porteño as we already mentioned went uh, to uh, kicks from the penalty spot and ended with Cerro Porteño winning after two nil-nil draws um, also both no no, no. Oh, no sorry uh, it wasn't what am I talking about no that's bollocks <laughs> ignore that San Lorenzo versus Cerro Porteño 
finished nil nil in the first leg. Yes. Um, and then there were two kicks from the penalty. There spot. were two kicks from the penalty spot, which it, there were actually two penalties in, yes. indeed, um, which um, is probably what confused me. Um, San Lorenzo had a penalty in the first half, went one nil yes. up, looked. I wouldn't necessarily say brilliant value for their lead, but it was. They were then really, really good for most like for the first half of the second half yeah. as well. And then they conceded the penalty and just fell to bits. Yes. And ended up losing two one. So Cerro Porteño went through. After um, all the nice things we just said about San Lorenzo in the first half and Yeah. And yeah. No, a big blow for them there. I mean, was I, a I winnable time, really. They're going to be more entertaining this season than they were last season. They couldn't be less. Surely. If only because Pizzi's taken over. But he knows what he's doing. Have a, we mentioned this, I think, in the last episode. That we have a pretty good team, even when San Lorenzo winning 1-0. They, they needed just to stay like that. Or, mm. well, 1-1 one, one was... Draw 1-1. Like, one, one. Also. Yeah, as soon as the penalty went in, they just, just felt a bit. It was ridiculous. I couldn't believe that Joaquin Larrive is still yeah. scoring goals. I mean, I remember him... Right back in the EFA, that in 2009, he scored that insanely controversial goal for Vélez, which robbed Huracán of their league title, the famous Huracán team of uh, Ángel Capa. Yes, the one with the um, collision with the goalkeeper, which was a foul and all the rest of it. Would it surprise you, Dan, if I told you he's only 29 years old? No. I, I straight don't believe you. He's he's 34. Yes. Uh, He turns 35 in about three weeks' time. There we go. Um... Yeah, so San Lorenzo are out. Um, I'm taking these through in the order that the first legs were played in, by the way, uh, having just managed to skip um, the first two of those. No, actually, no, I'm not doing this in anything like the order the first legs are played in. What am I talking about? Uh, <laughs> what are you reading? I'm going to do these in random order. Yeah. Um, Liga de Quito versus Olimpia. Um, Liga de Quito won 3 1 in Quito in the first leg. And then last night, I think, was the second leg, wasn't it? It was a 1-1 draw in Asuncion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liga having to see that out, having had two men sent off. Um, the first, or the second of which was very shortly... Oh, no, sorry, right. The first was very shortly after half-time, and the second was seven minutes into stoppage time at the end of the game. So not really especially damaging to them. Um, so Liga de Quito are through representing Ecuador in the quarterfinals. River and Cruzeiro did definitely finish with two nil-nil draws before River put Cruzeiro out 4-2 on kicks from the penalty spot. And um, Marcelo Gachardo said after the match that River didn't practice penalties. It was the first Libertadores penalty shootout that they had been involved in since 2005 when they went out to Boca in the... Was it the quarters or the semis? Quarters, wasn't it? 2004, it was. 2004, sorry, yeah. And that was in the semis. Semi-finals, yes. Um, They haven't been involved in the Libertadores penalty shootout since then. Speaking of Libertadores semis, or at least possible semis involving River and Boca... It could happen again. Oh, please, God. It's on the cards. It's also, at the moment, as we record, it might not be by the time this goes online... Hmm. But there's also the possibility of a Porto Alegre derby in the semis, in the other semi. Because Internacional are already in the quarterfinals mm-hmm. and Gremio versus Libertad is being played. Uh, we were just saying, kicking off in 35 minutes time to decide the other spot um, in, in the other quarterfinal. And uh, Imich Dan said about River that they scored two goals in four matches and for Cruzeiro was non-scoring for six or oh, seven. Oh yeah, matches. which apparently is the worst running Cruzeiro's yeah. history without scoring a goal. Yeah, something like 16. Six in, games in a row. Serie. Yeah. Godoy Cruz Palmeiras was 2-2 in the first leg and 4-0 to Palmeiras 
in the second leg, which I would like to spend a minute on because that was all kicked off in the 57th minute when Palmeiras got a penalty, which I am just going to go ahead and say I don't think it should have been given. Mm. It was given by VAR, wasn't it? Yes. The yes. referee dubious. Way played dubious. on and then, and then got asked to look That's at it again and gave it to Palmeiras. Yeah. Um, it was a very odd uh, yes. moment. And God, they Cruz didn't do themselves any favours with another collapse. Like just, they just gave up, really. They were. It has to be said, they were kind of under the cosh yeah. before the penalty had been... I mean, when the penalty went in, I think I tweeted, that should never have been given, in my opinion, but Palmeiras are worth the league on the balance of play so far. Mm-hmm. But thereafter... It was just like, right, there's only one team yeah. trying now. But, and I, I noticed towards the end of the game, I had a look at the um, ages of the teams mm-hmm. because Godoy Cruz particularly in the last like 10 minutes just completely lost it and started kicking. They had a man sent off, I think, right, or two. <laughs> uh, Agustin Mansour got yes. sent off in the 88th minute. Um, and I looked it up. Santiago Garcia, who is actually is 28 years old, mm-hmm. I'm not making that up, wow. um, was the oldest outfield player on the pitch for Godoy Cruz by four years. Uh, and even the goalkeeper, who was, oh God, where's the lineup gone? Um, uh, who was Andres Mering, the Swedishly named Argentine <laughs> goalkeeper, I think he's Argentine, um, Argentine goalkeeper for, um, for Godoy Cruz, uh, is only 25. So Santiago Garcia, the oldest by three years. Yeah. Um, and when you're oldest and most in inverted commas, mature player is Santiago Garcia, <laughs> you might have maturity issues in your team. Very possibly, very possibly. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, it wasn't a great type of way because they had a brilliant, what was it, first half hour and then let, you know, let six unanswered goals in and that's not the that's way to... the first to, half hour of the first leg. Yes. Yeah. That's not the way to win cup ties. No. But this started in the first leg when they were 2-1 up and, and Santiago Silva missed the penalty. Garcia. Yes, yes. yes. yeah. Yes. To, which would have made it three-one, and it, that was five or ten minutes into the second half, maybe. No, so I think it was in the first half. I think it was in, it was in the, the first, first half. half yeah. You're right. Yeah, yes. of course. That it was, was an incredible first half hat trick. He would have yes. done it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Godoy Cruz shooting themselves in the foot with that exit. Um, the Nacional derby between Internacional and Nacional. Um, that's the Porto Alegre side and the Montevideo side. Uh, finished with two victories for the Inter variety of Nacional. Uh, 1-0 in Montevideo and 2-0 in Porto Alegre, which means that the Brazilians went through there fairly comfortably. I'm going to admit I didn't catch either of those games because they were played simultaneously with the Argentine involvements. Um, Emelec versus Flamengo was 2-0 to Emelec. Um, in this actually sounded like one of the more entertaining ones which I wish I could have caught 2-0 uh, to Emelec in Guayaquil and then 2-0 to Flamengo last night in the Maracanã mm. uh, and Flamengo then I did manage to catch the penalty shootout because it happened after um, which was the last game last night Boca wasn't it yes. it happened after the, after the Boca game finished um, and they won the shootout to go through um, the incredible thing about that match is that after 20 minutes it was already 2-0 I think and yeah. uh, one the uh, second leg yeah yeah Flamengo you would thought yes uh, well yes it will be 3-0 4-0 no finally they they passed or they went through penalties yeah Gabriel Barbosa scored um, Gabigol a penalty after 10 minutes and then a, 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 the, the aggregate equaliser after 19 mm-hmm. minutes and then Flamengo uh, from what I heard about the game Flamengo sort of kept pushing but just 
couldn't manage to find that third goal um, until they did from the, the penalty spot, as it were. Um, the other one is... Oh, the other match that's been completed is Boca Juniors, of course, who we've already talked about mm-hmm. uh, going through fairly handily against Atletico Paranaense. And the remaining tie to still be mopped up is Libertad versus Gremio. For the sake of completion, since we've done this already, I will give you the full-time score of that one after the theme music, even though it doesn't involve an Argentine side. Uh, but Gremio are 2-0 up from the first leg, so we're not expecting any shocks there. If Gremio get through, then that will mean that one whole half of the draw will be all Brazilian. Um, the quarterfinals, as they currently stand, are River Plate versus Cerro Porteño, Liga de Quito versus Boca Juniors, which means that Daniele De Rossi's first match in the Libertadores is going to be at the altitude of Quito, oh. at 36 years of age. You reckon they're playing? You remember how many times we've said, I want Champions League players to witness World the Cup Copa winners, yeah. in the altitudes of La Paz and Quito. Well, it's going to happen. Um, well, not Champions League. It was World Cup, World Champion. He's a Champions League yeah. player, though. He's, yeah. he's played in it a few Who times. Who would have been the last World Cup winner to have to play at altitude? What, did Maro Camoranesi play in, um, in Racing in no, the Libertadores of South America? Camoranesi only played... Uh, with Racing in the Sudamericana kind of that first preliminary game which is always against an Argentine team and Racing never managed to get away no. Trezeguet didn't play for River in continental competition he, no. he no. came back from the second division and then uh, got superseded didn't he by Cavanaghi indeed so you're probably talking someone like uh, Ronaldinho yeah, someone probably. along those lines mm. well, he played for Mineiro or Flamengo exactly yes. yeah I mean, they must have done at least one game at altitude because they, they won it, of course, with they did. within the team. I can't remember who they played in that run, yeah. but yeah. Uh, we'll look it up, maybe, uh, before Mystic Sam and, and say if you remind me to. Yes. Um, so River or Cerro Porteño will play Liga de Quito or Boca Juniors in what doesn't look at all like a tasty semi-final that I'm sure the Buenos Aires police force are hoping doesn't happen. Um, and potentially when is it happening in relation to the presidential elections because the government of Argentina might be hoping in, that in one October yes, it just, will it be October yeah <laughs> just before the I think it yeah. will be the, before the, the because now it's the like preliminary elections and yeah. in October will be the first leg yeah and the semi-final there yes let's hope it happens and the other quarterfinals on the potentially all Brazilian side of the draw are Palmeiras against either Grêmio or the Paraguayans of Libertad and Flamengo versus Internacional. So as I said, there's the possibility there um, of a Porto Alegre derby as well between Inter <laughs> and Gremio. Looks tasty. Indeed. It's, it's yes. shaping up to be a decent knockout stage and I'm expecting River and Boca um, to look a little bit better against Cerro and Liga than they did in these first two games, given that they both should be further into actually being match fit. Yeah, you think so, right? Um, Yes, you would. Uh, The listeners' questions which we have had so far are... Just scanning down quickly to see whether we've been asked any since last week's recording. I don't think we have, no. Uh, So, listeners' questions this week begin with... Phil... Oh, no, isn't it? No, that's Phil saying congratulations to Dan for becoming a father. Um, with, ah, Councillor Ashley Pierce, who says, My team, Reading, 
are s- seemingly about to sign Lucas Boschet. Is it Boschet or Boschet? There's an accent. Boschet, here, isn't Boschet. It? Boschet uh, from Torino. Any idea what to expect from him? I I, I already respond responded that <laughs> saying that no. Yeah. Uh, he scored four or five goals, six in his career. Perhaps he scored eight. Uh, but he, he's a striker, by the way. Yes. But, yeah, he's not like a defender, in which case that would be quite impressive. <laughs> uh, but of course, in this, in the case of the real supporters, this is especially uh, the the idea of not working. As he went uh, on a free agent to Newell's, mm. then to Torino, and now to I don't know if in the, in the middle he went somewhere uh, else uh, as on loan, but the, yes, he played for basically River Newell's. Uh, Torino and now will be Reading and not scoring very very much goals uh, he's been on loan at Celta de Vigo apparently oh. where he played according to his Wikipedia page 13 matches and scored no goals and then oh okay he's picked it up recently though because last season he was at AEK Athens on loan oh. 23 games and 6 goals Ooh, a stonking return yeah. taking his career total um, if we include cup matches as well to Again, bear in mind that he's a forward. 14 goals from 159 appearances. That's terrible. Yes, that's not good at all. I can confirm uh, that in 2013, uh, Juan Elinho did play at altitude. He played against for Atletico Menedo against the strongest. Oh. Played the full mm. 90 minutes and Atletico Menedo won 2-1. Well done, Dan. There we go. Good research. Uh, David Novoshevsky says what to make of Pavon is he injured just bad form for an extended period he was a bright light in the 2018 World Cup for the for Argentina but now can't get in the uh, the side I don't know whether he means Boca or um, Argentina uh, all of that said why didn't they sell him for 16 million dollars if his form is that off this is an interesting one for me um... I've, I've said in the past that I think that the anomaly in Pavon's form yeah. was the 2017-18 season and the, what we've seen of the rest of his career which mm-hmm. was fairly ordinary plays like a bu- he's got a bucket on his head before mm-hmm. that season and has been reverted to that since is actually the player he is very possibly yeah. agree with me Dan. I I've seen a little bit more in him and Boca clearly do as well because uh, as our questioner points out they haven't sold him he will be going online I believe to Guillermo Barros Quilotos LA Galaxy. Uh-huh. That's a move which should be going through any time, any day now. If you, if you want to read more of my opinion, by the way, then if you search for MLS, if you search MLSsoccer.com, uh, the official website of MLS, which has an extra S, because if the S in MLS stands for soccer, I don't know why the website is MLS soccer. Major League Soccer Soccer. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, True. But if you search MLSsoccer.com for my name and Christian Pavon, you will find an article I did for them a month or so ago, I think, when this mm-hmm. move was first mooted, uh, profiling him in oh, there we go. less than flattering terms, yeah. as you might have worked out. <laughs> Carry on now, sorry. No, as I say, Boca clearly feel like there's something there. It's a guy, he's a player who's... Um, Do they, or can they just not actually sell him for $16 million? I think, Is it just a case that the offers have dried up? I don't know if they could sell him for $16 million. I know they want to sell him for $16 million, and they don't want to accept less. And he is a player who's complete, who's seen his confidence shattered over the last, at least over the last six months or possibly even longer. The idea of this move is to, to get him in a team alongside Barisquilot, this guy, 
he obviously knows well, he's worked alongside. And, and under whom he played his best football and as under well. And under whom he played his best football at a level which, let's be honest, is a little bit lower than um, than the Superliga or the Libertadores. He should get a lot of goals there, I think. Hmm. Um, and yeah, just have six months, get his confidence back, score, score a few goals, and then come back in January and either go back into the transfer market with a little bit, uh, a few extra digits added onto his transfer, um, onto his asking price, or uh, to carry on at Boca. Uh, that's the, the idea of the move. There is also the possibility that if he's sticking crosses into a penalty area where Zlatan Ibrahimovic is lurking, that those crosses will end up looking slightly less aimless than they are if you're chucking them in the general direction of Ramon Avila. This is very true, you know, yes. Ibrahimovic might be about 97, but he's still agile enough to potentially direct a few of those Rosed going out of the stadium crosses down and into the top corner. Cause yes, as much as I admire one job here, he's not quite as good as Zlatan. No. Uh, Andres, you look like you wanted to say something. Yeah, no, I, I particularly think that, oh, I think it's no secret that Boca is, uh, usually inflates the, the, the prices for his players as uh, the value of Pavon right now shouldn't be 16 million euros or dollars, but they, they usually sell players as an expensive, uh, with an expensive rate. Uh, perhaps the, the, the only one I, I would agree that the, the, his uh, value is, is correct is, for example, Nathan Hernandez, who clearly was a very, very good player for Boca the last season. And he was sold, sold for 20 million, or something like that. Somewhere around that region, yeah, for Cagliari, who are, from what we hear, going Mil- to be facing a relegation struggle oh, this well. season in Serie A. Not um, a bad player to have in a relegation battle, I must say. No, and, I mean, I saw a lot of people last night, so the, the situation here for listeners who aren't aware is that on Wednesday night he played his final game for Boca at home to Atletico Paranaense and was given a standing ovation when he was subbed. Um, he had to play up front, which was a very... Yeah, for some reason. Well, I think I know the reason, actually. I think it's that um, Argentina is a country where sentiment is massive in football, and Boca is possibly the most sentimental club in the country. Um, he was he was played up front alongside Avila, uh, at least during the first half, um, where they kept... Uh, in fact, Boca didn't take the lead before half-time, in part because when Avila got through on goal, one-on-one with the goalkeeper, he decided to try and square it for Nandes instead of scoring himself. Um, I think that they wanted to give him a farewell goal. Um, but I saw a bunch of people, Boca fans on Twitter, saying, why are you leaving this to go and play for Cameo? And it's like, well, there are two things. One is that is money. Um, and, you know, the fact that he's, he's leaving willingly. It's not like he's going against his will. And the other is that, frankly... Even if Cagliari turn out to be awful, if Nandes can keep up the sort of form that he's had so far this year, if he can do that in Serie A, then in 12 months' time, he's going to be playing for one of the big Milan clubs or for Juventus or... I mean, OK, maybe not Juventus, but for to one of the you know the Rome or the Milan clubs instead. You know, he's, he's going to get a transfer to a, a bigger club up the pyramid in Italy, as it were. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Darren Paul has a torrent of questions for us, as usual. He says... First of all, how much have you been enjoying Pichoud's bandstorming runs down the right? Uh, I must say, uh, the game against Union served up, a, let's say, treat for the footballing eyes, which was Ivan Pichoud going head to head against Claudio Corvalan, another two of the guys who have 
faced so many insults over the years from from Racing fans because they're not really very good at football. No, Cor- and it seems almost to be a Corvalan's a former Racing yeah. player for the benefit of those who aren't aware. It seems almost to be a tactic of Unions just to leave that right wing completely empty, apart from Corvalan, which is essentially the same as leaving it completely empty. Yeah, just to allow Racing to give the ball to Bichud and do his Bichud things. And he did not disappoint. Lulling them into a false sense of security, I think you could say. Something along those lines, yeah. If it were for the fact that at some point they're definitely going to come unstuck as a result of that. Uh, Darren also says, uh, he says, um, thanks as always for your great content. Well done on the Fanatis deal being renewed. Thank you for that, Dan, uh, Darren. Um, Claudette doesn't know how to set up a side to break down teams. Discuss. We've already done <laughs> that, as, as Dan pointed out when we were, you know, Dan said when he started discussing it, that uh, that was preempting a question. Uh, and Darren's other question is, last one, why is the AFA such an unmitigated joke, only reducing one club from the league this season and thus making a 23-team shambles for next season? Is there any logic to it that I am missing? Well, Darren, if you had listened to last week's episode, which you should have done, uh, then you might remember that uh, Andres and I actually explained this decision. I think we did, anyway. Yeah. We did, didn't we? Because I've just told him off for not doing it. I don't it, so. Julian, I think, also. Yeah, yes. I'm pretty sure we mentioned it. If we didn't, then I apologise. But I think if you listen again, you'll find that we did. Uh, the, the idea is that rather than going down to 22 teams uh, by 2020, they are now going to drop to 20 teams, <clears throat> which is the ideal size for the league, but the size that they sort of seemingly wrote back on wanting to get down to uh, by the start of the 2023 season. Um, so there's a, it, it's a bit of a, a compromise, I guess. Um, that, that's it, really. <laughs> Um, other questions Chris Murtagh says how long does Crespo have left in charge of Banfield it was always going to be difficult to follow Falcioni and I personally want him to have this full season but I'm kind of on my own in thinking this way it's tricky I quite like the football that I've seen Banfield play mm-hmm. since he took charge but that's been the, the, yeah, the other sensation been... yeah the results yeah. haven't reflected the, the football and results are what matter in football Especially for a team like Banfield, did did you say they're there or thereabouts for relegation? Uh, let me not try too far. Find off. the relegation table. Oh bloody! Hell, I got rid of the app which has got the relegation table. I've got two live score apps, but one of them is not made in Argentina. Sofa score, basically, you'll, you'll have heard of it possibly. Um, doesn't have the relegation table on for Argentina, so I've, I've still got the Argentine made one, even though it isn't as good. Banfield are one of the teams who are within three points of the relegation zone at yeah. the moment. Uh, but there are so many of those teams that they're not necessarily in trouble. But they might be. If they keep playing well and not picking up points, then yeah, that's a very good way to end up exactly in the it's, middle of a relegation fight. It's going to be. I, I think, and unless it really goes very far south very quickly, I think he's going to have until the end of the year. Um, Banfield are relatively forward-thinking board. You might remember earlier this year we mentioned that they've become the first uh, top-flight side in Argentina to elect a woman as their president. And in fact, actually, one of the interesting things about Banfield, uh, which we're only going to see this coming weekend, Mm -hmm. uh, and which I forgot to mention last week, is that they are doing away with the fence between the stands and the pitch Mm. in in front of one of their um, plateas, which are the the seated stands that run along the side of the pitch. They're getting rid of it. There we go. They, they want to treat their fans as human beings. 
Oh, never was. Um, they're not completely ridiculous. Obviously, they're keeping it for the, the bit that keeps the Barabrao off the pitch behind the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but the essentially, the family stand at Banfield now is not going to have a fence, though they've got rid of it. And in fact, the same is also true, apparently, of Estudiantes' new stadium, mm-hmm. which is going to be opened in 99 days' time, according to a report I was reading yesterday, saying <laughs> that there are 100 days until it opens. So, <laughs> it we'll never yeah. Is Banfield fa- Banfield's family stand the one where. Uh, we occasionally get to glimpse the wonderful five old foul-mouthed racist ladies. Um, I've no idea. Ah. You know the ones I'm talking about. I know exactly the ones you're talking about, but I don't know which stand they're in because I've never paid that much attention to the videos that they're in. I'm guessing it's not because letting them loose would would be far too dangerous. I think that they're in the front of the Popular, but I'm not sure. It seems Um, so, yeah. Little Bird says, any news on Ekoko? I'm still firmly in the he was secretly kidnapped and the ransom money is why we couldn't afford Paolo Diaz until now camp. Um, really, if he's rushing back and making it worse, he's more stubborn than Aymar was. Somebody needs to tell him to stop. Andres, any? Well, they they want to make him play when when they feel and he feels he's 100%, okay? Not to repeat mistakes yeah. that he did last, last year. In other words, River aren't rushing him back, but yes. he might be rushing himself back. In eagerness to play, uh, and linked in with with what Little Bird said. By the way, Paolo Diaz has now signed for River Plate. That happened about three hours ago, or something. Yes, it was uh, only four point five million dollars, the eight percent of the of his transfer. Uh, when apparently Al Ali wanted five million, or they they bought Paolo Diaz at five million dollars, which doesn't mean that you have to buy it by him <coughs> by yeah. that uh, value. Uh, perhaps they wanted more, um, but they, they didn't want Paulo Diaz. As just now, they they managed him, or well, they they told him, well, come here uh, to to uh, train with the team because he was training, as I said, I think that week with the Palestino squad, as he came from Palestino. Ah, oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, Gallardo was on the point of saying, okay, come on, bring Paulo Diaz, or well. I don't know, but he was like uh, quite angry with the journalists uh, after the the Crusader match or yeah. before. Oh no, I guess sorry after the Argentinian Juniors match, he was like. Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, Little Bird also says another question while I'm at it. Am I crazy for thinking that it's a big deal that <clears throat> FIFA yesterday in the the best. But I still think that's the stupidestly named football award ceremony in in the world. Um, agreed, in inverted commas, that a manager of a non-European club, and I'm going to add this in, and not a national team, um, in Marcelo Gachardo, was a top 10 manager in the world last year. Am I just overly biased in thinking he should be top three? Should not will. Um, I would say, I don't think that that would have happened if last year's Libertadores win had not come against Boca in the final and Adris, or in Madrid yes. um, if if River had done exactly as well and won the Libertadores just as deservedly but had happened to beat literally any other club in the continent on the final mm. I don't think it would have happened um, that's not to say that it isn't a big deal that's not to say I don't think Gasharado deserves uh, to be listed in the top 10 managers in the world um, <laughs> But yeah, yes. I mean, clearly the the amount of visibility that came with that final has has a lot to do with it. Right? And we have in the list the the other champs, or well, I don't know how to pronounce it. You are more, I think, uh, used to the Weigand and and Bering and 
uh, how do you say it? Uh, mm. The other, how, the other player you mentioned today, which with the foreign surname, uh, oh, Fidrzejewski. That yes. the Polish uh, base. Uh, well, Shushan uh, Club, the the Shams. Uh, we have those. The Apparently, Deschamps. I have a French-speaking Canadian oh. friend who tells me that the P and the S are silent. So mm. I think the, the 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 battle to win that trophy will be between them. Them mm. one in, one won the one the Champions League, the other won the World Cup. Which is a bit of a because I think Deschamps is, is demonstrably not as good a manager as most of the other names on that list. I must admit, I haven't seen the list. Tremendously talented yeah. France team. I must admit, I haven't seen the list, but I assume Calvert's um, on it, right? Having won the league. Uh, surprisingly not. Let's let's look it up. Scandalous. Gorosito is a. Why is the if he won the the World Cup last year? How does this work? Uh, hang on a second. Let me see whether. Okay, my ah right. Here we go. Manager top ten football managers in the world. That's March the twenty seventh. Oh bloody hell! I would have thought that typing the best ten managers FIFA into the Google. Would have brought up. Google. What are you turning to your grandads? <laughs> I went into the Google and did this. No, no, I said into Google. I just paused in between. That's all. Mm. Uh, mm. Would have would have brought up the ten man shortlist for the award, but yeah. apparently it doesn't, which is stupid. Um, so I can't tell you who who the list is, unfortunately. No. We'll assume Kalitza. Uh Let's let's do that. Jurgen Klopp's there. Pep Guardiola's there. I think that's he deserves to be in that company. Yeah. Fairly safe to say. Um, the one thing I will say about Gashad, and I've said it many times before on this podcast, uh, is that I wish he'd take the league seriously. Um, I suspect that if he were to move to like a big European club, say that he probably would end up taking everything seriously. But I do feel like he's been given a little bit of a... I'm not, I, it feels ridiculous to say I think he's got a free ride from River fans when he's won two of the four Libertadores yeah. <laughs> in their history, reached another semi-final in four attempts. He's clearly a tremendously talented manager. He's obviously one of the more modern thinking managers in South America. I think he'd probably be the best realistic option to be Argentina manager if Argentina hadn't just decided that Lionel Scaloni, this was confirmed yesterday by the way, is going to be manager until the end of the World Cup qualifying uh, process. Um, But I would really like to see him actually take the league seriously for a change. Sorry, Sam, but there is uh, a book uh, written by Diego Borinsky, the two, two books uh, in which he interviews Gallardo. Mm-hmm. One is, I think, uh, Gallardo, the metal or something like that, and the other is Recargado, Gallardo Recargado, Reloaded, uh, in which he assumes, Gallardo assumes that he would want players to be more focused on league, t- uh, league matches, and he can't do that. He can't oblige players to be mentally focused all of the... But surely that's his... I mean, he's the manager. It it's his job to oblige them to. Can you imagine well, Alex Ferguson saying that? I can't <laughs> make them focus on this. He'd well, get fucking bollocks <laughs> Well, but the focus is so high in the Copacabana that they are like perhaps empty in the, in the... Which is not good. I in, don't say it's... In the case of the build-up to last year's Libertadores final, given who the opponents were, I can understand him saying I, I couldn't get them to focus on the last couple of... Group, I mean, but uh, we're not talking about like a 50-game... Championship group. There's exactly. twenty-two fucking. Games. No, exactly. That, that's, that's the one thing that I I think that it is just that he joined River at a time where they had just won another league championship. Um, they they he finished the, second in his first. Uh, yeah, they did. Season. Yeah, they, they, they did that, and and they wanted continental success yes. more than anything else. And they have a board who wanted continental success more than anything. I think else. it's clearly a deficit, uh, but what the explanation that he gives is that 
uh, he doesn't want to push even more players. Of course, it's something you, and, you will discuss. And the other thing is that with, yes. with River, with any South American club, even with Boca, who've got you know, the deepest squad, probably in, possibly in the continent, certainly in Argentina, mm. um, you, know, you don't have the ability that the top European clubs have to just have essentially two first 11s. Uh, by by most standards, um, I I would be as a Man United fan. I really hope Ole Gunnar Solskjaer turns it around this season. If he doesn't, I'd be more than happy if Marcelo Gallardo was was announced to replace him this time next. Well, not this time next year, because that would be a few days before the start of the season. Although, given Man United's board, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but you know, I, I'd be more than happy if Marcelo Gallardo turned out to be the manager who who replaces Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, whatever that would be as Man United manager. Um, but if he did, then I would think. Please, for God's sake, take the Premier League seriously and don't just go and try to win the European Cup while being happy to finish mid-table in the league. Because that's not going to happen in Europe. It's proved that for River, for him also, it's harder to 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 uh, play against Argentinian teams than than with against Latin American teams. <laughs> because of that thing, I don't think it's something of knowledge. Because today, if you say, "Ah, oh, I couldn't," I don't know how Liga de Quito plays. It's impossible. You you may, must know because you are you have all all of the possibilities now right now, uh, but it happens like that and I I also would want River to have a stronger uh, uh, seasons in the in the in the domestic league in the Argentinian league since it's five years since River doesn't become champions there yeah. uh, with Ramon Diaz was the last one and yes it would be good to be champion again there exactly um, we're going to take a short break now and when we come back after this piece of theme music you'll hear Mystic Sam's first predictions of the new season I'm taking on Mystic Jimmy this week Belgrano in English has just direct messaged me his predictions for this weekend so don't go away Okay, these predictions, I've just actually written them out before recording, um, without looking at Jimmy's predictions first. So, here we go. Huracan versus Colón. Both of us are going for Huracan wins. Aldo Civi versus Argentinos. Jimmy says an Aldo Civi win. I think Argentinos will win it. Colón versus... No, sorry, that's not Colón. I'm misreading my own handwriting. Rosario Central versus Tacheres. Uh, Jimmy's going for a draw. I'm going to go for a Rosario Central win. Central Cordoba de Santiago del Estero versus Atletico Tucumán. We are both going for Atletico Tucumán to win that one. Vélez Sarsfield versus Racing. We're both going for a draw. Union versus Defensa y Justicia. We're also both going for a draw. Gimnasia versus San Lorenzo. We're both going for San Lorenzo. We're both going for a draw in Banfield versus Estudiantes. Uh, for River versus Lanús, I think River will win. Uh, Jimmy is going for a draw in that one. Patronato versus Boca. Um, probably unsurprisingly, we're both going for Boca to win that one. Godoy Cruz versus Arsenal de Sarandí. Uh, I think Godoy Cruz will win. Jimmy thinks it's going to be a draw. And for Independiente versus Newells, I'm going for a draw. And Jimmy is going for an Independiente victory. 
There are some interesting matches there, I yeah. think, this weekend. Um, Gimnasio versus San Lorenzo could be decent. River versus Lanús, I think, is the Sunday. Oh, it's not the Sunday evening. It's the Sunday early evening game, 17.45 kickoff. Um, that should be fairly good, I think. Independent News, Independent News. Yeah, Independiente Newells on, which is Monday night. Yes, because Independiente plays me, right now. That's exactly the time I'm going to be in the pub, so I probably won't <laughs> catch it. So. Um, but it, it, it should be a good game. Oh, you're right, yeah, Independiente playing, um, is that right? It is right now, isn't it? Yeah, the Sud Americana. Vélez um, Racing, of course. Mm. Huge game. Pardon? Vélez Racing. Yeah, Vélez Racing game. also looks good, that's on Saturday evening. Uh, Central versus Tacheres could mm. be decent as well. It could be horrible um, as well. It, yeah, it, it could be absolutely terrible, but it, it could be good. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there, there were various <coughs> interesting matches thrown up. Here. And if you watch the goal from Silvio Rius against Atletico Tucumán, his first goal and first match for Rosario Central, I did not. Incredibly, to the, just to the straight to the angle. Mm. I saw that it was one of the ones that was nominated for goal of the week, but I hadn't... Yes. Um, haven't seen it, no. Um, we should talk before we go a lot away very quickly about the fact that the groups for the Primera Nacional, which is the new name of the second division, um, have been drawn. They were drawn just before we started recording. So I'm going to outline them really quick for you. Uh, they are quickly, sorry, for you. They are Agropecuario, Alvarado, Atlanta, Barracas Central, Belgrano, Brown de Puerto Madryn, Uh, Deportivo Morón, Estudiantes de Buenos Aires, Estudiantes de Rio Cuarto, Ferro, Independiente Rivadavia, Mitre de Santiago de Vestero, Nueva Chicago, Platense, San Martín de San Juan, and Temperley. That's so I thought one. up to today that the two groups were going to be Metropolitana and the Interior. No. So what was the point in making sure there were 16 teams from the Metropolitan Region and 16 teams from the interior. Haven't a clue. I think they've drawn eight and eight in each team, yeah. in each group. Um, why? So that was group one. <laughs> and group two is All Boys, Almagro, Atletico de Rafaela, Brown de Androgué, Chacarita, Defensores de Belgrano, Gimnasia de Jujuy, Gimnasia de Mendoza, Instituto, Quilmes, Riestra, San Martín de Tucumán, Santa Marina, Sarmiento de Junín, Tigre, and Villa Dalmine. Uh, the top The top team in each group uh, will go to the final and they will play against each other for promotion to the Superliga. Mm. The teams from second to fourth, so second, third and fourth, the other three teams in each group, um, will go to the quarterfinals of the playoffs and will be joined in the semi-final by the team who lose the final. And the bottom team in each group will be relegated. Um, mm to either the Federal A or the Bay Metropolitana, depending on whether they're directly affiliated or not. So we're not going to have a situation where there could be the bottom team from one and the fifth bottom team from the other. It's just going to be, if, if both of them are Federal A sides, then they go down to the Federal A and the Bay Metropolitana doesn't get a team relegated to it next season. Fair enough. Because, of course, there are no more promedios <laughs> in the lower divisions there are in the Superliga, unfortunately. Indeed. On that note, this has been a really long recording. I'm going to have to send my girlfriend a text to tell her to come around now because uh, we're having dinner here after the recording. Um, and we've still got Hunter Pod Extra to record. So thank you very much indeed for supporting us um, on Patreon, if you are doing. If you want to become a Patreon supporter, you can go to patreon.com slash Hunter Pod and get some extra content. 
Um, thank you very much indeed to Fanatis, our sponsors, and a reminder to go to fntz.co slash HOP and use the discount code HOPFZ if you want 20% off your first three months um, with Fanatis. And for now, thanks and goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye, thank you. Andres. Thank you, goodbye. And me, thank you and goodbye. Two results to tell you about from the continental football tonight. Gremio against Libertad turned out to be pretty one-sided. Gremio got a 3-0 win in Asuncion to go through 5-0 on aggregate and set up that all-Brazilian bottom half of the Libertadores quarter-final draw that we were talking about, meaning that at least one of the... Well, sorry, one and no more than one of the finalists will be Brazilian because there are no Brazilian sides in the top half of the draw. Um, and in the Copa Sudamericana... Independiente lost 3-2 away, but thanks to having won the first leg 1-0 at home, uh, they go through on away goals. I started saying that and then realised that I'd forgotten who their opponents were, so if you give me a second, I'm going to look it up. I think it was a team from Ecuador. Um, It is... Of course, my app now is not showing the results from today because it's after midnight... South America, Copa Sudamericana. Uh, Where is it? Uh, Universidad Católica de Ecuador, who are not the Universidad Católica that you have probably heard of. They're a a newish team, or at least a new team to international audiences. Uh, So they won 3-2, but went out independiente through on away goals in that one. Thanks for listening and bye for now.